help you a little bit this morning because I believe we say that so much, but we don't teach or show them how to hear the voice of God. Even as adults, sometimes we, we may get confused. Like, was this God telling me to do this? Or is it so-and-so telling me this? Or is this my own will? You know, what is it? God, help me reveal it, right? And, and so it's not only kids or teenagers or young adults, I believe, that struggle with hearing the voice of God. I believe it's even us adults. And especially in the day and age in which we live in now, and, and we'll get to a lot of that. And I'll unpack a lot of this as we go through these verses this morning. Uh, but 10 verses, 10 verses in first. Samuel chapter number three, many of you are already there and I am nervous as I'll get out. And I just want to make sure that I convey the message out to you as God's given it to me. And that, that as a preacher and as anyone who speaks in general, that's our ultimate goal, right? To make sure that we give out exactly what needs to be said, but not just in an informational way, but a way that is conveyed where you understand it. And that's a struggle that we as preachers face, especially uh, one like myself who is scatterbrained sometimes. And you're, right now you're thinking about 15 other things and you're trying to focus and you're like, come on, focus. How many of you ever tell yourself that throughout the day? It's like, all right, just stop, focus, focus, right? I'm glad I'm not alone. Amen. We're, we're all certified a little bit crazy. All right. We talk to ourselves a lot. As long as you don't answer back is what I heard. Amen. I don't do that at all. <laughs> All right. Listening, listening for God is, is kind of, it may be more teachy this morning than preachy, but nonetheless, let's jump right into it. If you're able to stand, if you will stand for the reading of God's word, and I will hasten down through here. I know it's 10 verses, but they're all very important that we, that we work our way down through. Beginning in verse number one, 1 Samuel chapter number three, beginning in verse number one, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass that at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim, uh, that he could not see. Verse number three, and ere the, the the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Verse number seven is, one of the, is a key verse as you're reading through here. Verse number seven, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. In verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel Again, the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And, Elijah er, and, and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down in his place in verse number 10, and we'll stop there. And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, and Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. You may be seated this morning. We're going to pray and we'll jump right into it this morning, listening for God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, I, I thank you, Lord, once again for today and the opportunity that you've given me to uh, expound upon your word, Lord, to give the people what you've given unto me. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help me convey the message out. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us here this morning. Lord, may our hearts have already been prepared through the music, Lord, even through the fellowship, Lord, that our hearts are tender and ready to receive your word. And Lord, may we, for the next few moments, Lord, may we push everything away all the cares, the worries, the anxieties. Lord, even our plans for this afternoon. God, may we push all those away for the next few moments. And Lord, may we hone in to the scriptures this morning. Lord, and may we glean everything that we can and may we apply it unto our lives. And Lord, be able to take what we learn and be able to help others and teach others along the way. God, I pray for your power now flow through me like never before. I need you, Lord, this morning. And I stand in a position where my flesh will fail me. So I ask, Lord, that you strengthen me now, Lord. We pray all 
all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I began to think about this, and if you, if you back up just a little bit, if you know anything about uh, the first Samuel, if you could back up to first Samuel chapter number one and verse number 20, we understand here, uh, when we get to chapter number three, some things have already taken place and some miracles have already happened that get us to chapter number three, where Samuel is ministering unto the Lord in the house of God here with Eli. And, and the, we began this story with Samuel hearing God's voice for the first time in the temple. And you can recall back in first Samuel chapter one, verse number 20, wherefore it came to pass. And when the time was come about, uh, about after Hannah had conceived and that she bare a son and she called his name Samuel saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. Uh, Hannah was barren and had no child, but yet she entreated from the Lord. She begged the Lord for a child and God blessed her. And in that blessing, she turned right around and gave that child back to God. After she had winged that child, uh, she delivered him unto Eli and he would dwell there and he would grow up in the temple. He would grow up ministering to the Lord from a very, very young age. And when we get to chapter number three, uh, things began to pick up speed, if you would, for Samuel and in his life. And it's an exciting time for him. And, and it is no doubt a scary time and, and an un, uncharted territory for him because the Bible says that he knew not the Lord yet. He didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord's voice yet. And this is the first time where God really began to speak to this young man. And by way of introduction here in the idea of speaking, and many of you know we talk a lot throughout the day, some of us more than others, and, and don't poke your neighbor or point at your wives, man, okay? You don't need to be in the doghouse this early, but some of us talk more than others. But here's the idea, and, and I believe here's what plagues us more than anything every single day is the idea of miscommunication. Am I right? Miscommunication, and you think you hear something and you heard it wrong, or, or maybe somebody didn't give you all the details of what you were supposed to do, therefore you never completed that task and you still got in trouble. That was me a lot growing up. I thought it was just my parents miscommunicating, uh, but it was me misunderstanding my parents, amen? Uh, but the, the idea of miscommunication... Is, is, I believe, one of the, the most common issues that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. And I've alluded to this already some, and, and I said this earlier, two, two words, information and communication. Information and communication, and, and they are often used interchangeably, but they signify quite different things. Information is giving out, while communication is getting through. Information is, is the idea of laying down the facts and just giving them out. And, and however they perceive them, they perceive them. But the idea of communication is you want to get your thoughts and your motives and your intentions into that person so they grab the vision that you have and the idea and the goals that you want them to accomplish. That is what you're giving unto them and you want them to, to get it, to grasp it. So therefore, you communicate. It's not the idea of just listing out facts if you do this, this, and this, but it's the idea of this is what I want you to do. And here's how I want you to accomplish that. And you pour into them. It's the idea of communication. And what we have a lack thereof in today's society is a lack thereof of communication. Now, some of that we can chalk up to technology as most people like to text versus calling someone. Amen. Amen. I got one, Ricky. Amen. But that's so true. Is it not? How many of you would much rather receive a text than a phone call? It's okay. It's okay. You know what the great thing about a text is? It gives you time to respond. With a phone call, it's immediate. You're there on the phone and you can only stall with so many ums and ahs before they're like, okay, they're confused. They don't know what they're going. They don't know what's going on. They don't know who's on first. I don't know third base. Uh, you know, they don't know what's going on. But the, the idea of communicating is very vital. Not only in the world in which we live in, in our workforce or in school or in college or any of that within the church, but it's also very vital from God. And the way God communicates is very clear and precise. There is no way that we could misunderstand God if we're really listening for God. And I want, I want to drive home this point. Really, it's just one main point as we work our way down through here. But miscommunication is all around us. And, and we speak of it sometimes as a get-out-of-jail-free card. And many of you can relate to this right here. Is, well, I didn't hear them say that. 
You know, you get in trouble at work and so, why didn't you do the report or why didn't you do this? Uh, Nobody told me that I needed to, right? Or maybe they did and you just didn't want to do the report or you didn't want to have to do that or you didn't want to clean that up. So you're like, yeah, I didn't hear that part, right? We have selective hearing sometimes, you know? Uh, I have that with my wife sometimes. I'll do the the good things and the easy things and, and, you know, like taking out the trash and then I forget to put the bag back in the trash. Amen, fellas. Come on. I told you to take the trash out. I took the trash out. I understood the assignment, and I took the bag out to the dumpster and put it in. But you didn't put a bag in. But, honey, you didn't say put the bag in. (laughs) Amen. I'm sleeping in the couch tonight. (laughs) Amen. But it's the idea of communicating thoroughly right? Getting everything out. Like exactly what all do you want me to do? Our kids are the same way, right? If you have young kids, you know how true that is. Pick up your room. That doesn't mean just your stuff that you have. My kids, I love my kids to death, but they have this idea and this mentality of if it's not mine, I don't have to pick it up. But if I assign them the task, hey, clean the bathroom, that task is the entirety of the bathroom. I walk by, I'm like, Bernadette, you didn't clean the whole bathroom. I picked up my stuff. That's not what I asked. I asked you to clean the bathroom. That includes all the random clothes and socks that get thrown around in there from four children. And, you know, that includes picking up all the towels and making sure everything makes it to the laundry so it can get washed so you have clothes. Yeah, but I I picked up my stuff. The same way goes when it's time to clean out our vehicles. Amen. Uh, Like I said, we have four small ones. And I don't know. I don't care how many times we pat them down and tell them don't bring food or drinks into the vehicles. It never fails. There is like trail mix everywhere. I think the person who invented trail mix was not a hiker. It was not a mountain climber, Brother Terry. It was a mom that had four children and began to clean out one day. And was like, well, look at all these snacks. We got M&Ms. We got peanuts. We got gummies. Let's put them all in the same bag. And guess what? We can give it back to them. They got a little mixture of trail mix, right? But you think about it. When I tell our kids to, to clean out the vehicle, what happens? A lot of times they go and get their stuff. And then I have to remind them, like, listen, I don't know if you realize this or not, but mommy and daddy don't make all the mess in the house. Y'all do. So what if mommy and daddy just cleaned up our mess? Well, then we'd still have a lot of mess to clean up. Yeah, exactly. Help us out, please, right? But it's the idea of communication and not being, and make sure you get all the points across that you want to communicate. And the miscommunication, I believe, is what plagues us a lot today. But I want to say this, that God's communication is void of any misinterpretation. God's communication is void of any misinterpretation and his directives are conveyed with absolute clarity and precision whenever he addresses us. In Psalm 37, 23, we're reminded of this, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered, are ordered by the Lord. We understand that God, whenever he gives us what he wants us to do and he reveals things unto us, he does it with clarity. He doesn't do it with a murkiness of the water. It is clear and precise, the instructions that he wants us to do. There is no guessing game, if you would. There is no, well, I think so. God is very clear and precise in him directing us as his children, just like we direct our children now. God directs his children very clear and precise with full instructions and all laid out before them. And throughout the Bible, God communicated with his creation in a number of ways. And we won't take the time to hit all of them, but he communicated through dreams, through a burning bush, through prophets, and even through animals and through miraculous signs. God has a way of communicating precisely what he wants done and how he wants it done all throughout history. He has done so. So why would we think that, 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 that he would not continue on with his clear and precise instructions for us as his children, as we seek his will, and as we want to do what God asked us to do, why can we think now that, well, I don't know if it's God or not. I'm not sure. Should I? Should I? I don't know. But let me help you out with that. We're going to shed some clarity on how to listen for God and how to make sure that we're ready and able to hear the voice of God as he speaks to us. 
As we go through here, we understand that there's different ways that he communicates through us. And through this, God teaches us that he is not limited to only one way of communication. In Hebrews chapter number one and verses one and two, I have that there on the screen. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets and hath in these, in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir over all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Listen, when God communicates with his creation, he does it in such a way that you can be assured that it is God that is speaking. And in 1 Samuel chapter number three, we began to understand a young man who God spoke to at a young age who was unsure of the voice that he was hearing, but yet was brought clarity by the end of these 10 verses. He understood who it was that was speaking unto him. Now with this thought in mind, as we work our way down through, could we be like Samuel? In this story, we read about a young man who, who was right around 12 years old, and, and we understand that he was in the temple there with Eli, and he was serving, and he was ministering unto the Lord from, from a very young age up to this point when God begins to speak to him. But could we be like Samuel? Could we fail, would we fail to recognize God's voice if he speaks to us even now? Would we fail to recognize it as Samuel did? Do we need someone prompting us that we might be able to listen as Eli prompted Samuel to listen to the voice? A better question today is maybe what qualities in Samuel's life made him able to hear the voice of God? And I believe that's where we want to hone into right here. And within 1 Samuel chapter 3, in these 10 verses, we can unearth four qualities within Samuel's life that hold significant relevance for us to emulate in today's time. So we likewise can hear the voice of God as he speaks to us. Because he wants to speak to each one of us. And he wants to guide us. And he wants to instruct us. And he wants his perfect will done. And each of you in here this morning, you are here for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. There is no one in this room who does not have a cause for God, who does not have, who God does not have a plan for. God has a plan for each of you this morning, but we have to listen to the plan and act on the plan. So with that this morning here, I want to help you out with four things very quickly here and we'll jump right into it. Number one, Samuel had a servant's heart. I want you to notice something here. Samuel had a servant's heart. If you look back at your scripture in, in chapter number three, beginning in verse number one, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord. He ministered unto the Lord. He was one who would serve without question, with, without, without any hesitation. He, he ministered unto the Lord. So he was, a, he was a servant. He would serve there. And not only this, this, for, uh, this is the third time that it's emphasized that Samuel ministered unto the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 11, also it says that he ministered unto the Lord. A couple verses later in chapter number 2 and verse number 18, once again it would say that he ministered unto the Lord. He was a servant, and he had a servant's heart. He was a servant. He was ready to serve, just as Aaron and his sons did in their consecration as priests in Exodus 29, verse number one, and just as Paul and Barnabas did before they were sent out as missionaries in Acts 13, in verses one and two. His role was ministering before the Lord. And Jewish uh, historian Josephus states that he was 12 years old at this time of calling. They put, a, they put Samuel at about 12 years of age at this calling. So, so I want you to think about this just for a moment. But this young man at the age of 12 years old, God began to speak to him in a way that he's never heard before. So number one, let, let, me, let, me, let me put this as a sub point, I guess you could say, is, is young people don't think that you have to wait until you're a teenager because he was 12. He was not yet 13 yet. And young people, don't think you have to wait until you're in your teen years or your young adult years, or maybe I'll wait until I'm an adult and then I'll begin to serve God and I'll begin to give him my everything. No, Samuel from a young age ministered before the Lord. From birth, yes, he was given there, and he was there at the temple, raised up in the temple before Eli, and served the Lord without question and without qualm. He continued to minister unto the Lord until God saw fit. Today's the day when I speak. 
He had a servant's heart. He understood some things that, that serving the Lord has its benefits, it has its rewards. He was there in the temple. He, he watched as God blessed time and time and time again. At 12 years old, though, God began to speak to his heart. So young people, don't tune out God or don't think you have to be a certain age limit before you talk to God. It's not like getting a driver's license. You got to wait until you're 16. You have to wait for this and you, get, you can't rent a car until you're 21. You get, there's no waiting with God because God can use you the moment you make yourself available unto him. He had a servant's heart. He was not prideful nor boastful, but yet he just served and ministered. The Bible says three times he ministered before the Lord. He ministered. He ministered. He ministered. What does that mean? That means he worked. That means he served. It means whatever Eli asked him to do, he done. He completed the task, whatever it was that Eli wanted him to do. He ministered before the Lord time and time again. We see this laid out, and his tasks were no doubt probably t lighting the candles and tending to, tending to the furnishings there or, or even general housekeeping of the tabernacle. And think about it now, and, and those were not the glory jobs of the tabernacle. Those were not the ones that, that everybody would, would, would run to. It would be, let me help you and bring it into perspective. It would be like working in today's local church as a servant, as one who just serves the Lord. Well, I'll run a dust mop. Well, I, I get to clean the bathrooms. That's not a glory job per se, but it's a job that needs to get done. And, and here's the thing. Samuel realized that whatever it was that, that he needed to do for the Lord, he was willing to do it. He was willing to just minister. He was willing to be there for Eli. He was willing to do whatever it is that Eli asked him to do. He was there readily available to serve. And in today's time, that's all God is looking for, someone with a servant's heart, someone who is just willing to serve, someone who is just willing to do whatever it is and whatever task that comes up. Here am I. Here am I. Well, Brother Brandon, it's not a glorious job. Here am I. Yeah, but it's, it's washing the van. Here am I. It's running a dust mop. Here am I. It's cleaning the bathrooms. It's, it's wiping down the counters. It's, it's helping around the church. It's picking up trash. It's here am I. Here am I, here am I. Samuel knew some things and he had a servant's heart. And we see that time and time again mentioned throughout these few verses that we read. These were not the glory jobs of the tabernacle, but yet they had to be done. Number two, very quickly here, we're moving quick. Only got four. Samuel had a good reputation. Not only did he have a servant's heart, but he had a good reputation. He had a good reputation. And verse number, or chapter, or chapter or first Samuel, chapter number two, in verse 26, and the child Samuel grew on. I want you to look at that. Look over one page, if you will. I want you to look at these words because these words sound very familiar to someone else. And we'll pull this out here in just a moment. First Samuel chapter number two and verse number 26. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Now, a very, very another, there's another verse of scripture that's very like that one right there. Now, it's not talking about Samuel, but it's talking about somebody else. And the someone else is Jesus. The very same similar verbiage that we see here that describes Samuel also describes Jesus in Luke chapter number two and verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Irony, I think not because Jesus was a young man. And guess what? Samuel was also a young man at this moment. Both of them had favor with the Lord. Both of them had favor with God, if you would. Both of them had a servant mindset. And we see that laid out for us right here. Now, here's the thing as well. Uh, a good reputation, a good reputation. He had a good reputation not only with men, but also with the Lord. And we see this. And why is our reputation so important? Simply put, how people see us is how they see God. Our actions will always reflect our leader. Christians, let's hit the rewind button and say that one more time. Simply put, how people see us is how they see God. Our actions reflect our leader. Amen. That hits a little bit home, doesn't it? It's a little close. That's why we don't have uh, uh, maybe a Calvary Baptist bumper sticker on our car because we like to speed. We, like, we get a little road rage every now and then, and then somebody will say, oh, they go to Calvary. That's right. You know, our actions reflect our leader. 
So as a child of God, it's very important for us as Christians in here that we reflect and shed good light on our leader. We are ambassadors. The Bible calls us ambassadors and we represent a kingdom. We represent a heavenly kingdom and and a place that we're going to go and dwell forever. But while we're on earth, we are ambassadors and we represent one, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And and our representation of him is either going to lead people to him or push people away from him. And a good reputation goes right in line with that. Now, with, that, with this being said here as well, I want you to think about this. That, that is why Jesus had such trouble with the Pharisees. And they, they, they were representative. I can't even get the word out. They were, represent, they were representing God. But hang on with me. They were representing God. And yet the reputation for ritual and rules had become a departure of God's grace. Reputations must be formed. And a reputation not, is not formed in one day. But yet it can be destroyed in one minute and how true that is. We've even seen that laid out for us within the church walls and within your workplaces, within your schools. Reputations, it takes forever. It takes a while to build a good reputation that when somebody sees you, you have a good rapport and you have a good reputation with them. But in one act, in one moment, and in one word, you can ruin that entire reputation and somebody looks at you in a total different light. Am I right about that? So as we represent God and as we are a child of God and we're trying to seek his will and we're trying to seek the face of God and we want to hear God speak to us, it's very important that we likewise have a good reputation. Samuel had a good reputation. He ministered before the Lord. He had a servant's heart. He was there in the house serving no matter what it was. And he also had a good reputation with God and men. Likewise, we should keep a good reputation because we are representative of our God. People look at us and they see, do they want Christianity? People see us and go, what do they have that I don't have? There's something different about that person. Uh, When they go through trials and they go through issues of life, they face it totally different from the way that I would face it. Uh, If somebody said that to me, bless God, I would do this, this, and this, but they handled it in a totally different way, and I cannot understand it. Well, because they have a reputation to uphold, and they think back to how many times God forgiven them for the sins that they have committed. And when other people wrong them, It's very easy for us to forgive others if we think back to how much God has forgiven us. We have a reputation to uphold. And in one moment and in one sentence, we can ruin our reputation. A reputation cannot be passed from one generation to the next, but it can be destroyed in a relatively short amount of time. A reputation is formed by living a consistent life before God. God and Ecclesiastes chapter number seven and verse number one, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death that the day of one's birth and Proverbs 22 and verse number one, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver or gold. C.S. Lewis was quoted saying this integrity in doing the right thing, even when no one else is watching and how true that is. And how true that is in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible reminds us of this in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from the appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And how true that is, and that's very vital for us to keep our reputation pure and keep our reputation righteous and holy. Why? Because others are watching and we are representing God. And in order for us to hear God's voice, we must have a good reputation and a good rapport with our God. We must be in constant fellowship with God. And in the moment we break that fellowship, the moment sin comes in, that fellowship and that communication is cut off due to sin. Sin will not, sin will not cause us to lose our salvation, but what it will, it will separate our communication. Get that now. Sin will not cause us to lose our salvation, but it will cut off communication until it's taken care of. And we have 1 John 1, 9 that tells us this, that if we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to first apply that to our lives with a broken heart and a humble heart. Not in a very prideful way. Samuel is an example of how a good reputation makes one available to be used of God. And we're almost done here. Number three, uh, Samuel was obedient to authority. Young people, listen up. Samuel was obedient to authority. Young adults, listen up. Samuel was obedient to the authority that was over him. Sometimes you don't understand why your parents act the way they act. Amen. 
I was once a teenager, and it had been too long ago, okay? Don't laugh. I'm still 35. In Calvary Baptist Church, that's still a young adult. Hey, man. Next year, I'll have to bump it up 36, though. But it's very important that we're obedient to those who have authority over us, especially those with good godly authority, those who are trying to instruct us in the godly manner of things and how to handle the holy things as we just heard preached, those that try to instruct us on how to handle God's word and how to, how to handle the things that are holy and how to behave and how to operate in a way that brings God glory. We don't understand our parents a lot of times, but let me tell you something, young people, young adults and teenagers, your parents have seen some things that they don't want you to see. That's why they act the way they act. Your parents, hang on with me. Your parents act the way they act because they've seen some things and they've done some things that they, they don't want you to ever experience in your lifetime. They don't want you to go down those paths. They don't want you to choose some of the paths that they have chosen. So therefore, they set up some barriers and some strongholds that they block you and you get frustrated and you get mad. But God, everyone's doing it. Everyone's do You don't understand. Everyone's watching this and everyone's doing this. Your parents are setting up some boundaries because they want you to do his work work and his kingdom. Yeah. Hey, he, there's, a, there's a kingdom coming. And he wants you, they want you to do his will in your life, not their will, because your friends will leave you and your friends will forsake you. But my Bible tells me that there is one who will never leave and who will never forsake me. And my parents and your parents are here and they're guiding us and they're instructing us. Yes, with rules and with restrictions and deep down inside, you love it, but you still buck the system because of the friends and the influences outside of your parents. May I remind you, Amnon had a friend that did not work out too well for him. Read that later in your devotions. We do not have time for that this morning. Samuel was obedient to authority. Three times, three times he heard what he thought was the voice of Eli. Look back at your scripture. Imagine the frustration as you're reading, okay? Not the first time, maybe the second time, or possibly even the third time, okay? Verse number one, and Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim. He was tired. He was weary, not only physically, but also spiritually. And that's another whole message there. But he laid down, his eyes were waxed dim, and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out, and in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli, and he said, Here am I, for thou calledest me. And he said, I called not. Go lie down again. How many of you have ever ran into a room or hollered across the house? What'd you say? And that person said, I didn't say anything. I can't be alone in that. It happens to me more than once. Me and Mandy, she'll be in the kitchen. I'll be in the room or whatever. I'm like, did you say something, hon? No, I didn't say anything. Are you positive? I'm pretty sure I heard your voice. No, I didn't say nothing. Okay. And you go about your business, right? Think about this now. Hang on. That was one time. Now let's continue down in verse number five. And he ran to Eli and said, here am I for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Go lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse number six, and the Lord yet, called yet again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. I wonder what the time frame was in between the calls. You ever thought about it? You ever think about that as you read? The, I wonder if it was like immediate, like as soon as he laid down, you, and you know what I'm talking about. It's you lay down, you, you get up in the middle of the night, whatever happens, something woke you up and you got startled and you woke up and then you close your eyes and as soon as you close your eyes, like your alarm goes off. You're like, what, are you kidding me? I wonder if it was that quick that the second time the call came, Brother Mike. I don't know. We don't have a timeline. Maybe it was a couple of minutes. I don't know. But regardless of that, the call came again. Listen now. And, and, he, and he arose and he said, here am I for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son. He's like, man, would you just go to sleep? I am tired. Eli says, listen, man, we're done for the day. Shut her down. Calm down. If you got young kids, sometimes it takes them a while to calm down. 
in my house, it's, 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 our bedroom routine starts about an hour early before I need them to go to bed because I know it's going to come. Everything in the world they need is going to happen between that hour when it's bedtime. As soon as it's bedtime, they're hungry. As soon as it's bedtime, they're thirsty. As soon as we get everything laid down and they start getting quiet, you start hearing the bickering and the fighting. It's like, y'all leave each other alone, right? Eli was just trying to get some sleep. But he kept getting woken up by Samuel running into the room. Here am I. Here am I. He had a servant's heart, mind you. He just laid down to sleep. He could have said, I didn't hear you. I'm going to sleep. But he ran. It's good. But he ran the first time. I didn't call you. Go lay down again. He goes and lays down. The call comes again. Samuel. He says, all right, that's him. That's Eli. Eli. Hey, hey, here am I. I did not call you, son. What is that? I didn't call you. Go lay down again, my son. Please go lay down. I'm tired. Imagine the frustration. I could have swore I heard him. I'm, I'm positive I heard him that time. Maybe not the first time. Maybe it was my imagination because I'm used to hearing his voice. And maybe that was him, but it wasn't. Second time goes around. Here he is again. Now, verse number seven. And Sam, this is why I think it's a pivotal verse. And literally right here in the middle of the calls, we see verse number seven. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed unto him. Because when we get to verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. I'm sure of it this time. You called me into here. He was obedient unto the authority. Anytime Eli would call him, he would be there, and we see it right here. As nighttime comes, they're tired, they're weary, but yet every time he hears his name, he responds immediately, and not with a, huh, from down the hallway. Mm. If it's something that gets me as a parent, it's the huh, huh, right? When you say somebody's name, my dad always told me, if you can huh, you can hear, get your butt in here. <laughs> Amen. If you can huh, you heard me, get in here, right? And Eli, and verse number eight, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou that just called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called. See, here's where the man of God says, wait a minute, there's something bigger going on here. Eli knew what it was like to commune with God. Eli knew what it was like when that communication came from an almighty God. That consistent communication that did not change, that did not waver. It was the same call all three times. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. It did not change. It did not waver. It was consistent, as consistent as our God is. When he's trying to get a clear and precise message, a calling unto one, he will not change that message. It will be the same, and it will be consistent as he is calling. And Samuel, for the third time, heard it and runs unto Eli. And Eli says, wait a minute. There's something else going on here. Look down at the scripture. He says, for, for thou hast called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now here's where the advice comes in. And Eli said unto Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant here. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Three times the call came, three times his obedience was there. It was pictured and it was illustrated, laid out for you and for me. Now, I want you to hang on with me here for just a moment. What is this a picture of? It's okay, you can talk. Okay, thank you. All right, this is the GPS, right? We have these. We use them all the time. I use one on a daily basis, and if you're in construction or, or I know some of our guys do uh, surveying field work, a lot of times those address, they don't give you an address. They give you a longitude, a latitude, and go, good luck, all right? They're like, get here. Here's where I want you to go. But here's the thing. These GPSs are wonderful, aren't they? They are great whenever you're not that great with directions. Now, young people, you wouldn't know anything about MapQuest, uh, but when we were growing up and teenagers, we had this thing called MapQuest. Uh, we didn't have a GPS that told us turn by turn, but we had to print them off, and that's when you had a co-pilot that was very vital in how to read directions and pay attention and not sleep along the drive because you would miss your turn, all right? But these GPSs are wonderful, and they're great, and the great thing is you put a final destination of where you want to go, and it will turn, take you turn by turn, and this nice, soft ladies voice all the way there, just like you're driving with your wife. Amen. And if we would just be obedient and listen to that little voice coming out of that box, you will end up in your final destination, right? And all the wives said, exactly. <laughs> Amen. If they just listen to me, right? Uh, but here's the thing. These GPSs are wonderful. And if we would just be obedient and we follow them, guess what? We always end up in the final destination. Now, the paths that it may take us on sometimes can be a little sketchy. 
And I mean sketchy if you go into the mountains, you know, Blue Ridge Parkway, anywhere out that way in the GPS. And how many of you ever had one that says lost signal? Did you panic? Yep. Because there's a reason why you got the GPS on, because you don't know where you're going and how to get there. You know the final destination. You may have even been there before, but it's the destination along the way. And these GPS systems, they help us along the way. And here's the thing, but if we don't follow them, we end up adding time to our trip and delaying our final destination. And God has something in store for each one of us. And as he speaks to us, hang on with me here, and as he speaks to us and gives us clear and precise turn-by-turn directions on how to get to where he wants us to be. And here's the thing, if we do not listen and obey those directions, it gets delayed. You wander around in the wilderness for who knows how long because you didn't listen to God, right? You, you, you began to stray off and go down some wrong roads. And, and then you hear that little voice in the GPS that says what? Recalculating or rerouting. That's a polite way of saying you big dummy, you missed the turn. What if they had a country version of GPS? I'd love it. I'd love it. Turn up yonder. Hang out next left. <laughs> You know, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? But GPS systems, you know, the great thing is that you have a GPS. So brother Brendan, this is cliche. I've heard this many times before. Well, great that you hear it, but now listen, this is God's GPS right here. God's positioning system. And if we will listen as he speaks to us through his word and as we read the scripture, he will take us to our final destination. Although sometimes the journey may be seem long and it may seem trialsome and you go through some struggles along the way, but if we will just adhere to the turn-by-turn directions that he gives us through his word as we read it, you will end up in your final destination exactly in the middle of his will that he wants you to accomplish. This idea of, of, of being obedient unto authority here, as we see Samuel was obedient unto Eli, we likewise need to be obedient unto God's direction and humble ourselves down to the directions that he gives us and just be obedient to respond and say, yes, here am I, I'm going, whatever it is that you want me to do. May we just say, yes, Lord, as Samuel did. May we just stop and say, here am I, use me. And now where do you want me to go? Because in today's society, they say, do what you want to, you, you do whatever makes you feel right and makes you feel good when that is contrary to God's word. God says, oh, be obedient unto me. Listen unto me. And he will lead us into paths of righteousness. He will guide us along the way and he will give us all the help that we need and he will prepare us for our final destination while we are going through the journey. Now, hang on with me. We're, we're almost done here. Listen, Samuel was obedient because he was humble. And even though Samuel was not receiving answers from Eli the first three times, he didn't get no answer. He's like, well, Eli, I'm confused. Like, you keep calling me in here, but you're not helping me none. You're just telling me to go back and lay down. And Samuel was not receiving answers from Eli. He continued to be obedient to his mentor. In like manner, we must always find obedience in the Lord, even sometimes when he doesn't answer. We must continue to be obedient to the first commandment that he has given unto us. And don't move, and don't move until we're given the next step of directions. Because if we move early, we wreck our lives. If we jump early, sometimes we cause more problems for ourselves that God never intended for us to go through. If we'll just wait for that next turn, wait for that next direction. And if we'll continue serving him now and listening to his voice. Listen, if you continue to serve the Lord and read the word of God, he will guide you. And you will begin to understand his voice as he speaks. But you have to be obedient and be willing to be humble unto that. I want you all to think about this right here very quickly here. A story in the book of Daniel about three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Many of you know this story by heart. You understand this story. And I love this story because it is a quick illustration of obedience in the midst of a big trial right? In the midst of something big, something huge. We're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who obeyed the Lord's calling. It says, you shall not bow down before any other gods. And now Nebuchadnezzar has set up this golden image and he set up this thing. And, and when they hear the music play, they are to immediately what? Bow down and worship. And they came and said, nah, not us. <laughs> we ain't going to do that. And you see right here, I put down just a, a little snippet here, if you would, of Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, listen to their answer. 
answer. They were going to be obedient even unto death. They were going to be obedient unto the authority of God in their lives. And answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. But if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These young men were going to be obedient all the way unto the first command that was given unto them, do not bow down. Do not bow down. They were going to be obedient until another command came, Brother Terry. They were going to be obedient to the first commandment. When, they, when God says don't bow down, they're not going to bow down. So they were following out obedience unto God, even unto Death, But we know the rest of that story there as, as they went into that fire and as, as, as they, they heated up that furnace seven times and, and hotter than it ever had been. And they'd done so in such a hasty matter that even the guards that were going to throw them, those boys in, they died there. And those boys were thrown into the fire. And yet old King Nebuchadnezzar looked down and he goes, wait a minute, fellas, there's something going on down here. And he looks down in there. He goes, did we not throw three in there? But yet I see four loose walking about and that fourth looks like like the son of God. There's something about that fourth one that we threw in. He don't look like the others. And they came out uncharred and unscathed. Not even the smell of smoke was on them. Why? Because they were obedient unto the first call. Now, if we likewise will just go with God's plan and trust in his plan, we likewise will come out unscathed through every trial that comes our way. Not saying it won't be hard, not saying it won't be tough, but we'll come out on the other side because we'll be obedient. These boys knew something. They were going to be obedient all the way. And let me give you this last one here and we're done. Number four, Samuel was willing to listen. I'm going to have to hit this one quick because it's already 1025. Give me five minutes and I'll be done. Samuel was willing to listen. He went back and laid down. He went back and laid down. He went back and laid down. He was willing to be obedient, to be submissive unto the authority but he was willing to listen. Eli, realizing Samuel was being called by God, now gives him a series of instructions to prepare him for God's call. And very quickly, let me give you these right here. He told him to go back and lay down, waiting, waiting. Waiting is the hardest part for any Christian. Waiting is hard for each one of us. And how many of you have been in God's waiting room waiting for those prayers to be answered? You're waiting for God's call. You're waiting for God's instruction. You're waiting for God. Tell me what to do. God, I'm waiting. I'm willing and I'm ready and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And it seems like an eternity has passed, but yet nothing has prevailed. And I'm still sitting in this situation. May I tell you, hold on and wait just a little bit longer because in God's timing, he will move in your life as he did Samuel. Samuel was in the house of the Lord since he was a baby, but it wasn't a until he was 12 years old, until he was ready to receive the instruction from the Lord, did God speak unto him. And sometimes in our waiting period, he's just waiting on us to get us prepared for the instruction that he is going to give to us. And so may I say, just hold on and wait, but serve while you wait. The idea of, of, of waiting on the Lord is not one of sitting idle, sitting on the sidelines and just, well, when God speaks to me, I'll do something. No, 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 no. It's the idea of do what you've already been commanded to do. And while you're doing so, when time has come, when the next step is ready, when the next turn comes, Brother Roddy, I will reveal it unto you and I'll give it unto you and it will be as clear as day because you're ready for that next move. God is always preparing us for the next level, but sometimes that waiting seems like it takes forever in our lives. So Eli tells him to go back and wait in your room, and if he calls again, and that's the anticipation that carries out with the idea of expectation that God is going to move, and can I say this, that God will continue to move in your life. Expect him to move. The, listen, the Bible tells us time and time again, pray expecting him. Pray with fervent prayer. Pray. Listen, the faith of a mustard seed, right? That's all we need is that faith and that prayer of faith. And if we will trust God, he will move again in our lives. But sometimes it takes a while to get us prepared. Some of us preparation takes a little bit longer than others. And we understand that. But listen, while you wait, serve, do what you're commanded to do. He will move again and expect him to move in your life. Waiting on God. I want to read this, read this quote for you right quick. Uh, Campbell Morgan said this, waiting on God is not laziness. Waiting on God is not the abandonment of effort. Hang on with me here. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. And thirdly, the ability to do nothing 
until the command is given. Now, how true that is. We just continue on serving the Lord, doing what we know. We read our Bibles, we pray, we go to church, we get everything we can in. And as we're doing all this, we're obedient unto that authority. We're serving the Lord and we're preparing our hearts and we're listening, expecting God to speak to us. I don't know. I think that's part of the problem. I think that's part of the problem is we don't expect God to speak to us anymore. We say, well, God will make it plain as day and he'll write it on a big, he'll put it on the wall, right? I would love a billboard when I drive to church that says, Brandon Bridges, I want you to do this. I would love that. How many of you would love a billboard in your life and tells you what to do, right? There's some of you that are stubborn like me and you can't take subtle hints from the Lord as he says, go here, do this. And you're like, what? Huh? What? Did you you say something, Lord? Right? But here's the thing. Expect God to speak to you. Be anticipating God. When you come to church, be anticipating for God to speak to you in the service, Be anticipating, God, what do you have for me? Pray on the way here. God, give me what you want me to have within this service. God, speak to me in a way that maybe you've never speak to someone before. God, speak to me. Guide me. Direct me. Give me what you want. I'm anticipating you communing with me. And when he communicates to you, it will be clear and precise. Answering, and then he goes on to tell him to answer the call. Not only to go wait, If he calls, that carries the anticipation there, but answer the call. But a lot of times, and I'm done, I'm done, I'm putting my Bible up. A lot of times, we're too distracted. Why don't we hear God speak? Because we're too distracted. Let's let's just put it down and we're done. We're too distracted. We're too distracted in the environment that we're in. There's too much going on. You see, we, we, we now have a generation where there's no downtime. There's no daydreaming. That's gone. The, 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 the idea of sitting down and being quiet, sitting on a porch, sitting out by the woods, walking in the woods by yourself, that idea is long gone because of technology. We're now being consumed with our devices. So much so that we can't help but wear them on our wrists so we don't miss something when our phone is way over there. We have to be connected to everything. We have ear pods in. We have air pods in. We have something always playing, something always going. We have to have that constant entertainment. But may I say this? Can we do this for a moment? Can we take the devices off? Young people. You're missing it because you're too distracted. You wonder why God's not moving in your life because you're too distracted by everything. You're too distracted by the iPads. You're too distracted by entertainment. We've been entertained long enough. It's time to listen to God. You cannot hear God when you're clouded about with all these voices in your head and all these YouTubers and all these celebrities telling you what to do. You're getting clouded about of clear direction because they don't give you clear direction. They do not give you one bit of clear direction, but you get in God's word and you get alone and you get quiet. Be still. You cannot be still doing this. You can't. You cannot be still doing this. Do you know how frustrating that is when you're trying to communicate to somebody and they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, okay. Wait, what'd you say? You didn't get it. You missed it. How many, I'm preaching to myself, how many times has God tried to communicate to us? Uh Uh-huh, God. You mean do what now? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Almost done, hang on. All right, what was the God that you wanted? And then you get silence. Because he's already given you clear direction. How many times when you're growing up, your mama says, I shouldn't have to tell you more than what? If our mama says that, what do you think our Heavenly Father says? I sent my son to die for you, I gave my only begotten son that you can become my son through his death. I'm preparing you a place in heaven. It's going to be a wonderful place, Abel, where we get to meet family and loved ones once again. But while you're here, I have work for you to do. 
while you're here, I have work for you to do, and you cannot get the clear direction when you're distracted. Too many distractions. Maybe today was just a good reminder to put them down for a while. Put them down. We don't always have to be constantly entertained. We don't always need something in front of us. But we need a God who goes before us to instruct us in his paths and in his righteousness. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're done. We're done this morning. Samuel had a servant's heart. He was willing to serve no matter the task. Samuel had a good reputation. And he was also obedient to authority. But he had a willingness to listen. I believe that's the key. That last part. When he went back to the room and he laid down his head. And Eli said, when he speaks again, the anticipation that he's going to speak as he did in times past. Be ready to answer. Here's, the ser here's your servant. <laughs> Here I am. I don't know who needed this this morning. I don't know who is struggling this morning. Who's felt like you haven't heard from God in a while. God hasn't spoke to you as he has in times past and, you, and maybe you don't understand why. May I suggest this morning, you may just be in the waiting period. There may be no sinful act, no, nothing wrong, but it may just be that waiting period. Keep waiting. Keep waiting and anticipate God speaking. But maybe, but maybe this morning we're too distracted. And we can't hear God's voice amongst the other voices through our devices through everything that we put in our lives. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning, there may be some that just need to come down and ask God to speak once again, to give you direction, clear and precise as only God can. Maybe there's something in your life that's, that's hindering him communicating with you. Today would be a good day to get that right, whatever it may be that's causing that hindrance. Ask God to reveal it. I believe it was Daryl Cox who once said, there's two times when a Christian should go to an altar. When God speaks and when he doesn't speak. When God speaks, we should move. And when he doesn't speak, we should ask, what is it in my life that's hindering you from speaking to me? Maybe this message was just for me. Maybe I needed this reminder. But I have a feeling there were others here as well who needed that. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and you're unsure of your eternity. You're not 100% sure that you are saved. You can't think back to a, a time, a date, and a place when you asked God to come into your life and to save you. When you realized you were a lost sinner on your way to hell and you, and you, and you called out to God. Well, maybe today could be that day for you. Today can be that day when God speaks to you in a way that you've never heard him before because Samuel had never heard his voice until this day. It was on this day that his life was changed when he heard the voice of God speak. And maybe that's you today. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Let's all stand to our feet, our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, just a moment of invitation. We're not gonna prolong it. I know we went over time. We went a little over than we normally do. But I believe it's a very needed message. 
And I think it's time we get back to listening for God to speak and anticipating him to speak to us. Not for so-and-so to hear God, not for our preacher to hear God, but me. Because God has a work for each one of us to do. We just have to listen and be obedient to whatever the call is in our lives. If you're watching by way of live stream this morning and you have a prayer, you, you need some prayer, you need someone to pray with you, or maybe you are lost and you're unsure of your eternity, today you can make that phone call. There are people waiting by those phones. They'd love to pray with you about anything that you're going through. Be able to assist you with salvation, show you how you can know a personal, how you can know Jesus as your personal Savior. But Christians, this morning, I know this message was more directed to Christians. Those that are saved, are you listening for the voice? While you're listening, are you being obedient to the authority? Are you being obedient to the other commands that are already given? Are you serving the Lord? Those are just some of the qualifications that we saw in Samuel's life. Young people, don't let your youth pass you up without God speaking to you because he uses young people all the time. He uses young people all the time to change the world, to shake continents for his glory. Some young people who were willing to listen and be obedient unto the call. Young adults and adults likewise. How long has it been since you heard God speak to you truly? Maybe waking you up in the middle of the night, giving you a burden to pray for somebody. How long has it been since you heard that sweet voice that prompted you to do something that maybe you didn't plan on? but you know it was the voice of God because it's clear and precise and it was consistent with the message. That's right, make that move. If God's speaking to you, don't, don't wait. 